Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Jennifer, a collection of interviews on the topics of relationships, sexuality, spirituality, and more, all featuring Dr. Finlayson Fife. Hi everyone, Dr. Jennifer here. If you've been feeling frustrated in your sexual relationship, you don't feel there's the passion or aliveness that you've been seeking, that there's not enough romance or connection, consider enrolling in my Enhancing Sexual Intimacy course. I designed this course to help couples better understand the meanings that are operating between them that are killing the source of energy and passion in their marriage and what they can do to change that pattern, how they can create a sexual relationship that feels more authentic, more passionate, and more alive. Click on the link in my show notes to get more information about the course. Welcome to the Simple 7 Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Duggar, holistic chiropractor and functional medicine expert. The Simple 7 Lifestyle Podcast is dedicated to helping you improve how you eat, drink, sleep, move, play, think, and love empowering you to get healthy, stay healthy, and live your best life. Hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode of the Simple 7 Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Duggar, and I'm super happy to have my co-host, the amazing Tammy Duggar, with us today. Well, hey, everyone. It's been a while since I've been on the podcast with all of you, so I am super excited to be here. And we've got a special treat for you today, and I just couldn't miss out on it. So that's why I'm here. So, you know, we've been in the trenches for 24, 25 years working with people, you know, sitting knee to knee with them, trying to help rebuild their health and help them find deeper, you know, meaning to their life and deeper purpose. And, you know, along that journey, trying to help people see the root cause of problems we created the simple seven kind of concept where we talk about the seven really critical key habits that need to be in place every day of our life. And, um, you know, we talk about four that are primarily physical, you know, eating well and breathing well, moving well and sleeping well. But we also were very conscious from the start that mental health needed to be, you know, given ample time and energy. And so, you know, the last three pillars are really kind of more in that mental health space. Right. Those are the think well pillar, loving well, and playing well. And we just really think that those kind of encompass our our mental health as well as our spiritual health. And I'll admit, we'll both admit that in our professional training, we have a heavier emphasis on those physical aspects of those pillars. Um, and I feel like we're trying to play catch up or or learn as we go on those last three habits. Um, but it's always been our personal fascination to learn more from the people who really specialize in those three habits. So one of my favorite people <laughs> to learn from. One of our favorite, yes. Yeah, one of our favorite people um, is Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. And she is such a clear thinker. Um, to the point where I have to listen to her over and over again until it really sinks deep into my mind. 
but she is so clear on these topics. Um, and we just knew that we wanted to have her on our podcast and interview her and help us and help you understand more about these things. So with that kind of long-winded intro, Jennifer, welcome to the Simple Seven Lifestyle Podcast. We're so glad you're here with us today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Um, can you, like some of our audience that, uh, you know, that I've already talked to in personal conversations might know of you, but I'm guessing that a lot of my audience doesn't know much about you. So why don't you give us just a little background, like where do you live and what you've been doing for the last uh, couple of decades? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, um, am a licensed therapist in Illinois and also a educator and coach. And my, the main focus of my work is working with Latter-day Saints on developing more intimate, passionate marriages. And so I do a lot of work around self-development differentiation because these are really core to our capacity for intimacy. So, you know, I, I do a lot of online teaching through courses and podcasting, and I do a little bit of one-on-one -on -one coaching, but um, that's primarily what I do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, over the, I, mean, I think we've been following you for many years, and it's been fascinating to kind of see your own, um, how your expertise is kind of branching out. And I remember the early parts of your, you know, some of your podcasts were we're really kind of in a very small, it's like how to improve sexuality. Yes, and right. what I love about you is you kind of think like me, like I always want to know what's going on below that. Like what's, mm -hmm. what's the deeper level? Like superficial yeah. stuff is all over the place, but what's yeah. going on a little bit deeper. Yeah. And so as I've listened to you, we've listened to you. It just kind of keeps going deeper and deeper. There's more layers and you just keep, <laughs> keep sharing kind of what's going on in this mind mm -hmm. of ours and, and uh can i just tell you before we get started i had a fast uh, a cool cool experience this this week uh working with a client um in another state and and we're working with her and her husband and we've been kind of peeling back the layers of their health challenges and early on in our conversation um you know i knew that there were some issues with their marriage their you know their sexual relationship was mm -hmm troubled, just I, a lot of baggage. And, you know, I knew that I probably had enough information to get me and them into trouble. So I, I tried to, uh, you know, not be too uh, prescriptive. But one thing I did say is, would you guys be open to listening to some podcasts? I have somebody I want you to listen to. So I, I passed along your information. And honestly, the wife was like, just, I think that feels like way too much right now. I, I, I don't want to open that can of worms. I know as soon as I open that, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be months of struggle and it, it just felt uh, daunting. I'm sure yeah. you've not heard that before. <laughs> um, but I said, that's fine. You don't have to worry about trying to fix everything. Mm -hmm. Just listen to a couple of podcasts and see if there's anything that resonates. I talked with her a month later and she said, I've listened to hundreds of hours already. <laughs> and I just realized I could work on my side of the street. I could clean up mm -hmm. my stuff and it yeah. didn't matter what my husband was doing. And I was just going to pursue becoming a better version of myself. And 
it's already making tons of difference. Yeah. You said the bedroom is changing, but more than that, yeah. like the whole relationship is changing. And so, I yeah, mean, great. hear testimonials like that every single yeah. day. I just wanted to add a, a cool one, which is why I wanted you on this podcast so badly. So I got to quit <laughs> talking and let you share some wisdom with us. But um, maybe as a setup, Jennifer, You've probably heard of this uh, study. It's the largest, longest running study on human happiness, the Harvard study of adult development. And yeah. it's been running for 85 years now. And, you know, the one thing that's really risen above all the other variables that determine a person's you know, overall quality of life and happiness was the quality of their relationships. Yeah. It all comes down to that. And as you said before, you know, the quality of a marriage dynamic or a family dynamic is really dependent on the level of development of each person in that relationship. Yes. So I wonder if you could maybe just use that as a launching point and talk about this idea of why we need to continue to develop and, uh, you know, what it means to kind of create a sense of self. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's kind of a term that you use a lot that I don't think I really understood for a while. So that might be a good place to start. Yeah. So I, I have referenced that research. It's cool research because it's clear, like the quality of one's relationships not only impacts mental health and overall life satisfaction, but even one's physical health. So like the amount of cortisol and levels of stress and all that. So it's it's a really strong predictor in longevity and overall health. And, I, you know, in, how to say it? I, I think the thing that has been clear to me in the work I do is how much people want their relationships to work well because it shapes our lives so profoundly, right? Just to be able to be in a peaceful relationship with someone changes the way you feel about your entire day than a relationship that is laden with conflict and turmoil. The thing that I think a lot of times, though, that we don't really understand is how much the quality of our relationships is dependent upon our own sense of self. And so, um, you know, Murray Bowen, who has done a lot of writing on differentiation, talks about the fact that human beings want two things, which is they want to belong to others, right? We want to know that we're loved, that we belong to a partner, a family, a community, but we also want to belong to our own sense of self. And these, that is, you want to belong to your own beliefs, your own values, your own desires and ambitions. And so because we want both of these things, um, they can feel when we're immature, like they work against each other. Like you get one or the other, either, you know, if you're going to, if we're going to be happy in this relationship, I have to suppress some part of myself so that you're not mad at me. Or I'm going to basically keep distance in my relationship so I can do the things that matter to me and not have everybody taking from me all the time. And that's not unusual for people to feel like I get one or the other. But that's more a function of immaturity. The happiest people and the people in this study surely have that sense that they are able to belong to a beloved other or to a family 
and still be true to themselves, that they've found a way to belong and not betray something fundamental. And that's a function of development. And it's whether or not Murray Bowen also talks about this. Are we dependent upon a reflected sense of self, which is our more immature state? Or have we developed into a more solid, flexible self, a self that can regulate herself or himself, can know their own values, can know their own mind, and aren't as dependent as the younger version on approval and acknowledgement from others? So Obviously, I need to explain this more because someone listening might be like, I don't even know what she's talking about. But there's a developmental thing that makes you more capable of doing both things as you grow. So so I kind of, I love exploring um, systems that are, that appear to be intention. And, and we have this idea that that's a problem. Like mm-hmm. um, just kind of, as you were saying, we got this pole and this pole, and yeah. sometimes people think the the way to integrate that is to somehow find the middle. Yes, and I don't think that's what you're actually saying. There's actually an elevated position above the two poles that says, "I see all of it, and I can right. I can move back and forth in a flexible way." as yes. appropriate to incorporate all of this. I don't have to pick one or the other, or I don't even have to like split myself and right. find some sort of compromise. That's but right. Higher development means, I, no, I can see all of this. And maybe that's the yin-yang kind of concept of of these polars being part of one system. And that's yes. um, you know, really kind of what we're striving to, to find. Right, um, yeah. So when we're immature and we want, how to say it, we want to belong to ourselves and we also want to belong to others, what we do is the, we either will fold into the reality that others want or we'll pressure them to do what makes us comfortable. So these are very human immature behaviors like, okay, I'll be whatever you want, just love me, but you betray yourself. You get to belong, but you betray yourself. or do it my way, you loser, you know, (laughs) that is, you know, yield to me. Or we just distance ourselves from relationships entirely. Of course, that's another option. But that creates conflict because you either feel like you're disappearing or others feel like they have to disappear in order to be with you. But as you grow in your ability to hold on to your sense of self, you're not as dependent upon approval And you're more able to actually be clear about what you think, but you can also be flexible. So I think, Jerry, what you're speaking to, that it's not about compromise. Okay, today I get to prevail. Tomorrow you get to prevail. We'll take turns. Yeah, we'll take turns (laughs) at, at who has to submit, you know, where I think the more mature position is collaboration. If you think about people that are collaborating on a project, they may be bringing different perspectives, different strengths, different abilities. And what defines the success is the ability to not make your ego the most important. You know, we're doing it my way. You know, that, that's not a good collaborator. It's like, let's bring the best of our ideas on the table. Let's think through it. Think about the problem we're trying to address. And I can be flexible. I don't need this project to revolve around me to, for me to feel okay. So I can contribute and participate out of the 
best in me while receiving the best in you, right? And we can work together to create something. Now, there's the experience of cohesiveness or unity, but it's not about submission or, or dominance. It's about collaboration and operating together for the greater good. Yeah, I think that I noticed that like in the beginning of a marriage relationship, yeah. we have to kind of find our place. Yes. And then we help help each other be strong yeah. in our strengths and we yes. are patient in the weaknesses. Um, I just remember, yes. you know, before marriage, I thought, well, as soon as I'm married, then I have to become one with somebody. Yeah, terrible. And what does that really mean? Does that yeah. mean I got to like get rid of all myself and now yes. I got to be himself and ourself? And what does that really look like? And that was just always a like thing that Absolutely. really bothered me. Well, because I a lot that's... of women yeah, learn this idea that if you're a good woman, you kind of fold into the man. You know, you're the rib, you know, from a sort of... <laughs> A religious yeah. frame is the good woman is quiet and kind of follows behind and is the support staff for the man. So the idea of oneness is terrifying because it's like, well, you know, I maybe want to be married, but I don't want to lose myself. And, you know, again, this is often some of the difficulty in early marriage is how do I belong to myself and also be in this marriage where you know, there's a lot of things you can't agree to disagree on. You, you either have sex or you don't have sex. You paint the living room or you don't. You know, there's like, <laughs> and, yeah. and so who's going to prevail in this? So these are tensions that are very inherent to marriage um, that pressure us to grow. Um, yeah, one of my very favorite things that you've ever said is that marriage is a, I'm going to, now I'm going to. Yeah butcher the paraphrase, but marriage is basically a people growing machine. I mean, it, yeah. it, there's no relationship quite um, as, you know, perfect for pushing and pressuring in a yeah. good way, our yeah. own self-development. Yes, um, exactly. Because this person sees all of the stuff, <laughs> even, uh, yeah. even if we're self-deceived, which maybe we can talk about, um, you know, we might be blind to our own you know, our yes. own perceptions of ourselves, And yeah, I think plan on it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we, we might. I see this. I see a lot of people kind of maybe thinking that their motives are better than yes. they really are. Yes. And then I also see a lot of people who have a self-concept that's actually on the, the deprecating, impaired yeah, side sure. where they don't really feel like they have any value or worth. And so both of those Yes, frames of deception yes. are going to completely lock down this marriage from any more growth until until that piece kind of gets resolved. Yeah, no question. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. So the, the people growing machine is a David Schnarch line. Yes. And yeah, marriage does pressure it because you've now taken in this person that matters so much to you and is so primary to your sense of self. Right. You know, a friend lying to you hurts, but a partner lying to you really hurts. That's the who am I that you could lie to me? Do you do I not matter to you? Right. I thought that I was your number one person in your life. And how could you deceive me? Right. So the the pressures of a marriage can really push on our sense of self where someone at the office or, you know, someone in a store that we run into, they just, they have minimal impact on our sense of who we are. 
And so those pressures really push us to, you know, I remember in early marriage, my husband would say something I didn't like. I didn't like the idea that he had about me. And I thought that my idea was more right than his. <laughs> and so we'd be kind of in this struggle of like, who who's right here and, and how are we going to resolve this? But, you know, the only way forward was to deal with what's true in what your partner's saying about you, even if you don't want it to be true. And so well, it I pushes see, you. Don't you also, though, see a lot of people just not willing to have the conflict because conflict is bad, don't you know? Okay, we, we, we can't have conflict. We've right. got to be always right. happy. So yes. I'm just going to not bring it up. And right. This a lot is of people going to just fester for a few decades. That's right. Then... Absolutely. Lots of people have that idea. If we're happily married, if we're a good couple, we don't fight. And so they the marriage becomes dishonest and fragile in the name of goodness. Now, contempt and hostility and cruelty are destructive in a marriage, no question. But conflict is, you know, your reality and my reality are abrading one another. There's a, there is a friction. And if we're going to create room for two of us here, if we're going to make a, you know, a home and a life and a reality in which we can both belong to ourselves and be with each other, we've got to collaborate around these differences. We've got to deal with these differences. And you can, as you say, Jerry, like say you're the problem and you must change. And, and sometimes your spouse is the problem. I mean, it doesn't mean Right. But but it is dealing with how am I a part of this problem? How am I? What is my spouse saying that I know I need to deal with, even though I can use their limitations to get away from mine? And that's the thing that drives development in people and drives deeper trustworthiness, deeper space for one another is when your spouse cleans up their limitations, you you're in a better marriage. You you get to live in a space that feels better to be in and vice versa. But it's so hard to be honest. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. hundred <laughs> percent. It is just me, you know, that uh, I think sometimes uh, out of trying to be kind, I, I will just not speak my truth. And I know yeah. Tammy's the same way. Yeah. And so how much honesty, Jennifer, tell me, <laughs> well, yeah, so so being honest is difficult for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, when you need validation, which we all like and we really like the more undeveloped we are, it's hard to be honest, it's hard to admit you're right about me. I do do that. That was unfair of me because for the weak among us, that feels like complete puncture of our sense of self. Because we need so much for people to see us as good for us to feel okay about ourselves. So we'll deny and avoid and accuse and defend and get away from the very truth that we need to grow ourselves up. So it hurts to say, okay, you're right. That wasn't decent of me. But that's where all the freedom is because then you can start to deal with who you are and not be a house divided and in a self deception. You can actually integrate more of who you are and have an on a deeper honest peace with yourself plus be a more trustworthy partner have your spouse trust you more so we don't like the puncture to our sense of self it's also hard to deal with conflict right i mean to be in the honesty of your spouse's different view 
is just uncomfortable. A lot of us would rather just pretend we don't have a difference and then go secretly do what we want on the side or, you know, avoid the conflict and then just resent and feel covertly superior or whatever. Like we we don't necessarily want the work of dealing with the issue. And then the third reason I think that these just come to mind immediately, but there's probably other reasons, is sometimes we don't like disappointing the other person. We don't like knowing that we aren't who they want us to be. And so even though it's honest, it, it's we, we want to avoid the, it's the disappointment in them, the exposure of how we're different. And so we just do fake peace and fake unity. Uh, but really, there's deeper divisions. They're just below the surface. Everything that you try to repress and suppress eventually just keeps coming back up, right? You can't yes. push these ideas down forever. They're going to they're Truth going to always manifest. Gets yeah. always gets <laughs> I always think of the visual of trying to hold down a, a, a beach ball, you know, like under the under the right. water right. Uh, at the right. pool. Like, man, right, yeah, right. you think you got it for a second, but it just Absolutely. a little slip and it wants to come back up. So and I think the truth is, too, the more we avoid things, often the bigger that beach ball gets. So the more we are just stepping away, stepping away, the, the issues we're trying to deny actually then start having more power over us. There's some book, I can't remember what it's called, but the story of like this little baby dinosaur, but nobody will acknowledge it. And so the dinosaur just keeps growing and growing and then taking over the house and then, you know, breaking the house and you know, as soon as they start to acknowledge it, it you know, it gets back down to size. Right. <laughs> and psychologically, we do that. We think, okay, just pretend it's not there and it'll go away. But actually, we're giving it this covert power and it increases and it diffuses our ability to actually deal with it. It undermines our ability to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So one of the, you just mentioned the word validation. Um, and I think that... Um, you know, one of the dangers, if you're not developed and you have a lot of, you're enmeshed with other people and just have this reflected sense of self to kind of use those terms, um, we end up making decisions to extract validation from the people around us, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Originally, I thought, well, gosh, why would I want to be in a marriage that I didn't get any validation? Like, I mean, why would I want to be in any relationship that didn't make me feel relatively good about myself? Mm -hmm. So what's mm -hmm. it's not so much the validation is the problem. Yeah, exactly. It's the bending of my own in integrity or my own honest truth in order to get it. That's right. In my understanding right. of the That's concept, right? Yeah, a lot of people think I hate validation. <laughs> 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 validation hater okay so yeah. it's yeah there's no there's nothing wrong with validation and in in any good marriage and romantic relationship there's a lot of validation so just to, to be, be clear, free flowing back and yeah forth like with i love and just, appreciate you and yeah. i value you and i'm grateful you're in my life and in any really good marriage there's a lot of that right there, there really is the the issue is whether or not you make getting validation primary like, mm -hmm. I will not say what I really think because I don't want the invalidation of the, the of him saying he disagrees with me or that he thinks my idea is stupid. Okay. <laughs> Even if it is. Okay. Yeah. That I don't want to, I don't want that. So I will, 
you know, hide aspects of myself so I can feel a kind of false approval or I'm going to feel resentful about the validation I can't get. So Dr. Schnarch, uh, David Schnarch, who did a lot of work using Murray Bowen's theory, he said something like, the more we demand validation, the less likely we are to get it. And the less dependent we are on validation, the more likely we are to receive it. So that is, as we run our lives by more integrity, as we're more able to be honest, as we're more able to collaborate, as we're more able to make our ego less important than what is the higher principle or the higher goal, you will get a lot of validation from people close to you. They know you. They're grateful for you. They trust you. They'll say, thank you so much for your willingness to just help out around this thing and not make it. Yeah, you know, just you trust those people because they don't make their ego primary. And so they get a lot of validation and but they're not demanding it. They don't live yeah. to get it, although it does come towards them. Everything that is created through force takes force to maintain. Everything brought about by right conditions, the conditions continue to flow unto itself. Yeah. I don't know who cool said that, but I think I just yeah, made it up. Cool. But anyway, I, I like that quote that I just made up. Um, but uh, I, I always think we're talking in the realm of physical health as well. You know, we have such an outside-in philosophy in the West that we can somehow you know, give you a pill or something and you'll be healthy. But, you know, our work is trying to help people actually create the context in their life where yeah. the natural expression, the wisdom and innate yeah. intelligence of the body is going to express health because of the situation that you're, you know, the lifestyle that you're living. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's almost the same concept yeah. that uh, the answer is already inside of you. Once you're clear on, on yourself and um, we create the right, we show up as our best. We're, we're working and developing all the time. And so we show up in a relationship and that environment now breeds growth right. of both of us. That's right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like living by true principles. And I do love that about help. I think that you're in the habits of, of being that create an ideal environment for health to be the reality. Of course, it doesn't mean that something can't go wrong and it doesn't right. give you perfect control. But the more you align yourself with true principles, the more trustworthy you'll be, the more likely you are to love and be loved. You know, so the more likely that you will live in a joyful way and it doesn't preclude you from the suffering that's inherent to living and the limitation that's inherent to living. But it gives you the best chance of being able to create joy within that uh, reality. And really back to the the study we talked about at the beginning, at least it was just the number one predictor. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know, it's not like this, in a bubble of joy and happiness. They all yes. suffered the same challenges exactly. every human being That's does, right. but life was better when That's they right. were when they were addressing kind of these core things. Yeah, because I feel like the more I know about myself and how I'll react in a situation, the easier yeah. it is when something hard comes along. Yeah. And I have to deal with the trauma or the whatever happens and I know that I can do it because I've done it before and yeah. I know how I'll react and right you kind of have a self-trust yes it's like you can't control all the variables of other people or the things that just aren't in your control but the deeper the self-trust yeah as I think what you're saying is that yes. the more ability to kind of tolerate what you can't control 
because mm-hmm. you are working with what you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and the healthier you show up to any one of those situations, the, the more you know you have in your reserve, your tank, so to speak, right. that's going to help you to heal. So, you know, tolerating anxiety and stress and pressure. Some people just really kind of want to run away from everything that's difficult. But, um, you know, we have to have a fair amount of resilience and and ability to face the challenge so that we can, so we can grow. Mm -hmm. Let's, before we're, before we wrap up here, thank you. I'm, this is so much fun to chat with you about this. Um, (laughs) We also talk uh, about play energy. And, and honestly, when we kind of go through our seven uh, habits of health, sometimes we get to the last one and it says play well. And people are like, what? What is that even doing in there? But I find that we have to have, and we might call it, you know, creative energy or mm-hmm. recreation or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But we have to have an element of this in our, in our lives mm-hmm. in order to be balanced and happy. Mm-hmm. And I hear you talk about this even inside of the marriage dynamic. You use a term called eros energy, which yeah. is kind of the same idea, though. It's the the drive, the motivation of, yeah. of life that makes you kind of come alive. Yes. And it's tied a lot to freedom. Yes. And, um, you know, yes. openness. So maybe. Yes. And belonging to ourselves. Tie all those sort of things together in some beautiful sure. way, Jennifer. I'll try. Okay. <laughs> That's a big project. Okay, let me see if I... I mean, yeah, so I do think play and sexual joy is very connected to this ability to have eros energy, this aliveness energy. It's the energy you feel when you dance or when you, you know, when you do some physical feat that is challenging but you feel so good at the end when you are laughing together when you're doing something recreational that kind of fills you with life you know there's there's like surviving and then there's thriving and so it's very much connected to thriving and when we're thriving or when we're in that eros energy there's a sense of transcendence that's in it you kind of transcend the self you kind of are you know in a kind of intimate joyful connection with others and when we're just about work and, you know, you know, we and we don't have enough of those um, liminal experiences or kind of expansive experiences, right, then we have a sense of, you know, kind of losing something in ourselves. We don't have that feeling of aliveness that a marriage needs, that we ourselves need. When someone's depressed, they don't have that alive, that eros energy that's a part of their day to day living. And it's a very painful way to be. And a lot of people create marriages that have no eros energy in them. And I'm not even speaking about sex per se. They don't have that sense of playfulness and aliveness and sort of the joyful embracing of life as imperfect as it might be to really feel gratitude and joy in the everyday. And so when they don't have it in the marriage and it's full of resentment and anger for the validation you can't get, people are vulnerable to going and trying to find it cheaply elsewhere, right? And looking for that sense of spark or aliveness outside of the marriage. So the more that we're able, when I talked about in the beginning that we want to belong to others and we want to belong to ourselves, the more that there can be room for that spark, that aliveness, that playfulness, it's very connected to being able to achieve both. 
that I can belong to me. I can grow and be in this marriage. I can expand myself, find joy in it, find playfulness and freedom and be with you. I mean, so, you know, I think that idea of freedom is like I can be with you and be true to myself. That's the spark. That's the playfulness. I don't have to pretend anything or contort myself to keep you happy with me. I can really play with you, which is the kind of freedom and connection. And when couples are happiest in their marriages, they have that in their marriage and they have it in their intimate relationship. And that has less to do with frequency or position of the body or anything. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of energy that's in the marriage and in the sexual connection and is very, very much connected to joy and thriving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. I think some people are looking for cheap sources of variety and novelty and and what have you but when it's when it's once again when it's just a byproduct of what's happening as the two people are kind of coming together and having enough space um that energy i i always think about um you know kind of this this dance where where you you know you kind of come together you connect you go your separate ways you mm -hmm. go challenge it, you, you know, yeah. solve problems in the world and then yep. you come back together and That's there's right. this kind of this, and yes. you know, I'm not trying to be graphic here in and out, but this yeah. is like what sex is all about. It's like the yeah. coming together and the going away yeah. and that happens on the micro and it happens kind of in the macro. That's and, right. that and that's what happens even with an infant creation. and a mother. An infant yes. and a mother. Yeah. There's all these uh, research that John Bowlby did on attachment and so on. But they also did research on the fact that the babies would, if the mother was looking adoringly, after a while, the baby would be start to pull away. And the in-tune mother would also give the baby their space. They would turn away and give the. So that's that same thing. We want connection with each other, but we want to belong to ourselves. And so how do we create that dance and manage that tension? Well, some people are like their, their spouse belonging to themselves feels like an abandonment and a panic. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they can be obsessive and controlling, um, you know, so there's, yes, how do couples learn how to self-regulate enough to be in that dance in a way that allows two to thrive? The, uh, the famous um, philosopher Khalil Gibran, I don't know if you've read any of his uh, essays, uh, yeah. uh -huh. but one of my, uh, I was given this by, uh, given the book called The Prophet. Yes. Uh, by a friend of mine really early on in our marriage. And there's an amazing essay called yeah. On Marriage. Yeah. And, and he talks yeah. specifically about this space. Yeah. Uh, and he talks, give, there's two great kind of uh, metaphors that he uses. Uh, one is um, the columns of a, of a building. Yeah. You know, right. the, the yeah. hold up the structure of the building. If you put the columns too close to one another, it actually yeah. weakens the structure. There yeah. needs to be space in between. So this idea of unity is unity of purpose yeah. of what we're trying to create together. It doesn't mean enfolding in. And I guess yeah. the other metaphor is, uh, you know, like the strings on an instrument. Yeah. You know, if there's no space in between, that's that's really the we can't where resonate. That, you can't mm -hmm. resonate. Yeah. So the this spacing of of the vibration of each one of those strings kind of playing off and creating that harmony. Yeah. Once again, these ideas that 
on the surface might seem like they're in opposition to each other, but there really is a way to harmonize these things if you That's right. If you kind of think about them in a more developed way. Yeah. Well, anyway, Jennifer, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's been fun to listen to you too. This is our marriage, by the way. I am a listener and I like to soak it in and then think about it really long. And then he, we have real conversations together. That's but great. I, My husband's I, a listener too. That's why he is not yes. on any podcasts. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I talk and Tammy feels everything. She's very yeah. empathic. Everything has a feeling and she's just dialed into everything that's going on, but she doesn't. So this has felt this, really good. <laughs> <laughs> so let's tell all of my audience, all of our audience, how they can learn more about your work and, um, sure. you know, get some more of this information. Why don't you yeah, the best, how to get in touch with you? Sure. The best way probably is my website, which is my last name. So finlayson-fife.com. And on there are the online courses that I teach. And I also have a podcast called Room for Two, where I'm working with real couples. I mean, their voices are distorted and they are anonymous, but I'm working with them on real relationship challenges that are around this tension of how do I belong to myself and belong to you? How is that impacting our marriage? How is it impacting our sexual relationship? So it's you know, it's very educational of being able to listen into other people's experiences and to see yourself and or your marriage in it. So th that podcast is there. And then just my conversations with Dr. Jennifer, which has conversations like this, that's a free podcast, um, is there also. And um, we, so anyway. we can just give reviews. We've done your courses, All um, you know, the individual ones and the couples ones and we listen to the Room for Two podcast. It's very enlightening and it gives us some good things to talk about and think about. Yeah, um, right. To the point where sometimes we're like, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, my sense of self. And no. Very, very good and insightful. That's sometimes, great. Sometimes it's a lot, right, to, to listen to other people's challenges and try to figure out how to help them. And we do that on you know, our, our level. Um, mm -hmm. but I, you're a master at, um, at the work you do. It's so it's amazing to listen to you work with people. Mm. So I think that was, you know, that's just money well spent. I, mm -hmm. if everybody, um, you know, that's listening goes to your website, you got hundreds of hours of amazing interviews, but the real magic happens when you get the courses and you start you know, really working through and doing the hard work to create an environment in your relationships, your relationship with the parts of yourself, your mm -hmm. relationship with your spouse, if you're married, but the family members, I mean, it's all about, you know, your connection to everybody else, but that comes out of, out of yourself. So, yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what, this has been a highlight of, uh, of our podcasting career <laughs> we're super grateful for you and your time and uh you know the the secret joke is on your on your facebook groups and things like what is a jff right so jennifer finlayson fife is a big long name so everybody just says JFF, and then the new people come on and go, what's a JFF? And we always say, what would JFF do? Yeah, what would JFF do? What would JFF do? say? <laughs> 
<laughs> so everybody, uh, you know, you yeah. want to be in her world and um, she will definitely help you understand what's going on in your own mind and clear some things up so that you can be your best self. So thanks again, Jennifer. I look forward to next time we get to run into each other somewhere soon. Great. Good. Thanks so much. And it's really nice to be with both of you. Excellent. All right, everybody. Until next time, go out there and do something good in the world today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we ask that you please rate, review, and share the podcast so that more people can find and benefit from Dr. Jennifer's work.